Howdy, theoriologists. Well, if you are like me, then you are a podcast fan. I mean a big podcast fan. And you have your playlist full of shows that get you through your commute, your job, the workday, the grocery store, making supper. You get the idea. And like me, you want nothing more than for these shows to keep making great content. And you want to support that effort. That's why many of your favorite podcasts have started Patreon campaigns, so that you can show your support for all their work. That is exactly why I have started a Patreon campaign for Conspiracy Theoryology. For less than a cup of coffee each month, you can help this show grow in content, quality, and frequency. And in return, you can get access to patron-only rewards, such as access to the Patreon-exclusive show Expanded Theoryology where we will go beyond theoryology and take deeper looks at topics discussed on the show, as well as explore other areas and new ideas. With guest hosts and candid conversation, there will be new content each month, plus more stuff to come. I know there are tons of shows out there to support, and it's hard to decide, so my goal is to make it worth your while. And if it isn't, you get direct access to tell me and push me to make your experience great. If you are ready to support the show, or just curious about what else Patreon has to offer, go to www.patreon.com slash conspiracytheoryology to check out my page. Then, stick around and search out your other favorite shows. Now, on to the show. Sometimes our imaginations are captured by the possibility of alternative explanations. Join me as we explore the historical events and public state of mind that influenced the appeal and popularity of the most enduring alternative theories out there. I'm Ryan Nelson, and welcome to Conspiracy Theoryology. On this episode, the Finland Conspiracy. Does Finland actually exist, or are we being fooled by a nefarious plot to hoard fishing waters? Could a conspiracy of this scale actually be hidden from discovery? And why would countries not involved allow it to continue? And why does this conspiracy theory make us wonder and even consider the possibility of a fictitious country even being plausible? This time on Conspiracy Theoryology, jump into the cold waters of global conspiracy and swim through the murky hidden seas of fishy Finnish fictition as we explore the theory that Finland doesn't exist. Howdy, theoryologists. Okay, let's talk Finland. Well, Finland conspiracy theory, anyway. But, before we do, I want to give credit where credit is due. This episode was inspired by Moxie over at the Your Brain on Facts podcast. Moxie often presents the options 
for uh, upcoming show topics to her Patreon fans, of which I am one. And when the uh, topic of Finland came up, I knew I needed to throw my hat in there and offer up a wonderful tidbit about this great conspiracy theory I'd heard on Finland. Well, Moxie gave me a wonderful opportunity to contribute directly to the episode. So, there's a now wonderful little excerpt of me contributing and providing a little background on this conspiracy theory. So for those of you that already listen, you may have heard some of this already. Uh, for those that haven't, I highly suggest jumping over there and checking out the show. It's it's great. I can't even begin to praise it enough. It's so much fun. I've been walking around spouting some of the facts and figures that she's presented on this latest episode. It's just great. And you can find the show wherever you're listening to podcasts. So absolutely. Thanks, Moxie. Also, I wanted to take a chance to give a shout out to Brisky at the Turn of Phrases podcast for leaving Conspiracy Theoryology a five-star rating and review. Now, it was pretty awesome of another podcaster to, to take the time to do that. And it turns out that's a pretty awesome show, too. I've now been catching up on Turn of Phrases episodes, and it's a blast. I, she covers, she jumps in and covers the origins of idioms and everyday sayings and finds out a bit of the history and tidbits. So for all of you fact trivia hunting fans, this is another show to put into your repertoire. So anyway, give that a shot too. All right, so thanks a lot, Brisky. I think that's it. Why don't we jump into the show? To do that, well, let's just go into the conspiracy right off the bat, right? This is how it starts. In the Cold War era, Japan and the Soviet Union supposedly shared a secret about a stretch of the Baltic Sea between the Soviet Union and Sweden. Around the mid-20th century, the two nations collectively spread the idea that there was a landmass known as Finland on the stretch of ocean between the two countries. To keep the good fishing between themselves, the Japanese were free to fish as much as they liked without worrying about international laws, so long as they gave a share to Russia. The company of Nokia is actually owned by the Japanese, and it's used to hide the shipments from this secret fishing industry in the guise of hardware. To get all this food across the continent, the Trans-Siberian Railway was built for this express purpose. Now, this conspiracy apparently has the full support of the United Nations because they see the benefit in keeping the peace between two powerful nations. And with UN support, world maps and navigation systems have been altered to show a landmass in the Baltic Sea where none actually is. And as for the Finnish people themselves, well, even though the actual landmass of Finland is fictional, the national identity is very real, even if artificial. The actual physical locations where supposed Finns live are actually just parts of eastern Sweden, Estonia, and Russia. These are the locations to which both Finnish citizens and visitors alike are taken by either unwitting or complicit airlines. <laughs> but the devil is in the details. And the Japanese, they have a sense of humor about this whole thing. They've even given away the secret within the very name of this fabricated location, Finland. Well, it's simply the land of Finns. And 
What has fins? Fish. There you go. Finland doesn't exist. The conspiracy in a nutshell. But let's dive into the background a bit. Some of the fallout. And to do that, we're going to talk about Reddit, where this first appeared. It was actually introduced by a Reddit user under the moniker of Rarigan back in 2015. And it was on a post asking about the weirdest things your parents taught you. And this Redditor, uh, he relayed this story supposedly told to him at a young age by his parents. The fallout was fast and fierce. While many simply responded jokingly or even dismissively, some responses were actually highly critical and even eh, even outright insulting. Understandably, some Finnish users within Reddit were offended that such a claim was gaining traction at all. And traction it saw, spreading across social media sites like Tumblr and 4chan. But it wasn't all bad, though. I mean, it seemed that many uh, seemed to take it as a genuine learning opportunity. In a 2016 Vice.com article, this Redditor, whose first name had been disclosed uh, and was revealed to be a 22-year-old named Jack, said that a lot of Finnish people have messaged him about it. And Jack said, ironically, since this theory has come out, I've learned more about Finland and Finnish culture than I think I ever would have. I think a lot of people have. One person even offered to fly me out to Finland a couple of years back to prove to me it exists, but I never took him up on the offer. <laughs> so, actually, with that quote, it's it's a perfect segue. So, let me go ahead and jump in and add this part. I, I want to make sure that we give Finland a, a chance to respond to this claim. And, of course, I always think the best way to do that is to turn to other podcasts that would do the job much better than I ever could. So, here's a quick list uh, to brush you up on, on a bit of Finnish facts. As I mentioned earlier, jump over to Your Brain on Facts, hosted by Moxie LaBouche. A second one is called Explore Finland, and uh, that podcast is hosted by actually by a British expat named uh, Mark uh, Wiltshire. Then there's a podcast on the Finnish blog site Ink Tank, and its podcast is called Very Finnish Problems with Joe Willens. And of course, for all the true crime fans out there, there's a podcast called True Crime Finland. Now, I'll have all those links in the show notes, and you can go chase those. But, let's keep moving. You know, we've, we've talked the background, you've heard the conspiracy, but what happened? What followed afterwards? Really, it was a matter of expanding the claim. I mean, this is... So let's talk about this Reddit expansion, this explosion. Of course, I mean, this is the internet we're talking about. So, it didn't end there. After his initial post, a subreddit, a full-on subreddit was created, titled The Finland Conspiracy, with a tagline of The Truth Finley Veiled. <laughs> See what they did there? Yeah, yeah. This is where it has fully blossomed and taken root. Uh, no longer just a simple theory based on his original post alone, this conspiracy has been fully fleshed out. So, let's look at it again with some of the possible holes filled in. See, Finland was first created sometime during the Cold War between Russia and the West, 
as we discussed. It was also, though, around this time that environmentalism and the idea of preserving our planet was really taking off. And it's due to both of these things that the two of the main players in this Finland conspiracy came to work closely with each other. That's where Russia and Japan team up. See, this Japan-Soviet relationship had always been shaky at best, but it was also incredibly secretive. Even as early as 1925, Japan and the Soviet Union had secret deals with each other regarding fishing rights between the two countries, with the Soviet Union giving up much of its fishing rights to Japan, with seemingly no explanation as to why. Now, these secretive treaties and alliances continued right up until just before the fall of the Soviet Union, when Gorbachev made trips to Japan months before the fall of the Soviet Union, stating the entire time how the relationships between these two countries were improving, even when Soviet relationships with the rest of the world were worsening. In fact, the entire past hundred years of Japanese-Russian relations bring up many unanswered questions. Why, at the height of World War II, you may ask, were the battles between these two countries minimal, despite being on uh, opposing sides? And why did Japan sign a peace treaty with Russia in 1941? Just, I mean, that was just months before the, the Allies, the Germans, went to war with Russia. And you may also ask, why were relations between Japan and Russia always good through the Cold War, despite the major geopolitical differences between the countries and geographical positions that you think would cause tensions? Well, Reddit has an answer for us. The answer is simple. They shared a common secret, a common asset that worked in both of their favors. And that asset was Finland. Now, it's unclear when Finland was first thought up. Some do say it was during the Cold War but others say it was as far back as the 1920s. But the necessity of Finland is quite simple. Now you can understand why some people might think Finland was thought up as far back as the 20s, and then they use simply the cover story that Finland had won its independence from Russia. But, you know, that's neither here nor there. Let's look at that necessity. See, Japan can fish in the region of ocean between Sweden and Russia without worry for environmental repercussions. After all, nobody's going to expect fishing regulations to be broken in a place where everyone thinks there's a landmass. And, in return, Russia gets a percentage of the fish to distribute amongst their populace. It's a simple case of fishing the Finnish Sea, transporting it across Russia, which was the real reason, of course, for the construction of the Trans-Siberian Railway, and then shipping it from the eastern Russian coast to Japan under the disguise of Nokia products. And this is why Nokia is the largest Finnish, air quotes, company, and it is also why Japan is the largest importer of Nokia products, despite the fact, and I use the word fact loosely, that very few people own Nokia phones in the country. <laughs> Side note, I have not verified any of that, but that is what Reddit has said. Now, other questions beg an answer in this scenario. And of course, they've been addressed. No, the Finnish people are not in on the conspiracy. They genuinely believe they are from Finland. 
and Helsinki is located in eastern Sweden. People flying there wouldn't even notice. And in fact, contrary to popular belief, yes, a whole country can be made up. 99% of this imaginary landmass is supposedly composed of forest, and much of it, eh, it doesn't even need to be accounted for when addressing Finnish geography. So that's where what we find expanded on Reddit. Uh, it has built into a full, fleshed out, fully formed baby of a conspiracy theory. I mean, it's there to be, to be nurtured and grown and cultivated. But why does it even have any staying power? I mean, ask yourself that. Why? Why does it persist? <laughs> you're sitting there thinking, you're either thinking it's crazy or it's possible. But it's stuck around. I mean, it, sure, it's not as explosive on the internet as it, as it was when it first started circulating and when it, circulating and when it went viral. But it's still around. It's still enough that it's either interesting to talk about or fun to talk about. But why? Why does it? Why did it stick around? I'm calling that answer the Finnish ideal. See, ultimately, you you have to begin to wonder how this could sustain itself. How in the world could a hoax like this last on the world stage? I mean, given the connectedness of societies and such. And since it apparently is known to every country, at the very least those countries in the UN, why are they still going along with it? At first, in theory, it was a sign of goodwill between Western countries and the Soviet Union. I mean, it was a bargaining chip that could be played. But, here's the kicker, Finland has since evolved into something much more an idealistic placeholder for what countries should aspire to. See, when you talk to the proponents of this conspiracy theory, they'll tell you no real country could so consistently place first in education, healthcare, gender equality, literacy rates, and national stability, even the least corrupt government in the world, and freedom of the press. It's it's a, an ideal, it's a concept for countries and people to aspire to. That's where the problems about Finland's existence is disputed. No country in the world can possibly be that good. <laughs> so what do I mean by that good? Uh, I, maybe you've heard about Finland, those of you that have traveled to Finland. Uh, but Finland is a pretty small country. It is a population of five and a half million. And it is only recently, and I say recently in the last maybe decade, that, that they've had an increased uh, industry of tourism. Surprisingly, though, this Finland ideal has, has some merit. I mean, it's backed up by facts. I dug in and found a best of lists that was culminated with the celebration of Finland's 100th year anniversary since independence. So here, why don't we do this? Let me highlight for you a few of those uh, best of items. One, Finland is the most stable country in the world. This in the Fund for Peace Fragile States Index of 2018. Then in the Freedom in the World 2018 uh, survey by Freedom House, Finland is the freest country in the world together with Sweden and Norway. 
So, Finland and its neighbors, the freest countries. Then in the Travel and Tourism Competitiveness Report of 2017, Finland is the safest country in the world. Then on a Prosperity Index survey of 2018, Finland is identified as the best governance in the world. And then... Finland police and internal security as a whole are the second best in the world. This by the International Police Science Association. Finland has the least organized crime in the world, probably because of that police force. This by the World Economic Forum. Then, Sustainable Development Solutions Network identified Finland as the happiest country in the world. The Finns trust news the most in the world, out of a 37-country comparison. Finland is the third most gender-equal country in the world. Finland has the third most female MPs in European countries. The air in Finland is the cleanest in the world. Finland is the water-richest country in the world. Finland is the most literate country in the world. Finland has the most heavy metal bands per inhabitant in the world. (sighs) The list goes on. And on, Finland is awesome. It's too awesome. It's unbelievably awesome. That's the ideal. Now, what's the reality? What do Finns say? I just wanted to toss in some perspective there, just as a grounder, in case you start thinking that Finland is actually too perfect. It's true. It's shown that long list of social and economic measures by which their country can only be judged a success, uh, some of the Finns actually kind of respond sarcastically. I mean, from their view, they're emerging slowly from a long recession. They have an unemployment rate of 8%. And there is a, you know, an increase of the vote by a very populist nationalist party that's increased up to about 20%. Uh, many of the old-timers will say, The country is not what it was. And they semi-jokingly say, you you mean other countries are worse. I mean, from their perspective, they're not that great. Sure, they're great. They love where they live. The surveys show it. But they understand that they have problems. Is that reality? I don't know. Maybe that's just a planted thought to kind of ground it and keep us guessing. But that's the conspiracy. Finland doesn't exist. It was made up. Conspire, you know, between the Russians and Japan. And Finland really does almost sound fake. We could just stop the discussion there, but it's actually time to jump into the theoriology. Now, as I first came across uh, looking into this and came across a few articles discussing it, uh, that Vice article that I previously mentioned, in it, the Reddit user and the originator of this conspiracy theory, he actually suggested that it was a perfect example of something called Poe's Law in action. I thought, perfect. This article has done all my work for me. This is probably why people find the topic fascinating. So I decided to look this eponymous internet law up and see what it was all about. So let us to Wikipedia. Poe's Law is an adage of internet culture, stating that, without a clear indicator of the author's intent, 
it is impossible to create a parody of extreme views so obviously exaggerated that it cannot be mistaken by some readers for a sincere expression of the parodied views. Now, Poe's Law is based on a comment that was written by a guy named Nathan Poe back in 2005. He was on a, a Christian forum site uh, discussing uh, creationism and following a debate. At some point, one of these posters in there had remarked to another user the comment that, good thing you included the winky, otherwise people might think you're being serious. It was then that Poe replied, Without a winking smiley or other blatant display of humor, it is utterly impossible to parody a creationist in such a way that someone won't mistake it for the genuine article. Now, the original statement of Poe's law referred, of course, specifically to discussions on creationism, but it's really since been generalized to apply to any kind of extremism or fundamentalism in the view of the user that is applying Poe's law. In part, Poe was simply reiterating common advice about the need to clarify uh, and clearly mark online sarcasm or parody. Uh, you know, an example with a smiling or a winking emoticon to avoid the confusion. It's not an original idea. He was restating it as early as 1983. A guy named Jerry Schwartz uh, in a post on a Usenet site, wrote, avoid sarcasm and facetious remarks. Without the voice inflection and body language of personal communication, these are easily misinterpreted. Use a sideways smile, and that has become widely accepted on the net as an indication that I'm only kidding. If you submit a satiric item without this symbol, no matter how obvious the satire is to you, do not be surprised if people take it seriously. Well, there you have it, Poe's Law. But there's a problem, and, and that explains what happened with Rarigan's comments on Finland. But it really doesn't. I mean, it actually doesn't. The, the problem I find with using Poe's Law as an explanation is actually in the sincerity of the claim, the initial claim, the, the, the beginning claim by Rarigan on Reddit. It, it doesn't appear to have been made with any intent to parody or mock some overarching position within the post thread. Now follow me with this. You know, think think let's think through and think back how that played out on Reddit. I mean the user himself said I, I was about eight or nine and they just casually brought it up one morning when we were watching the news and Finland was mentioned. He said I, I can't remember the exact wording at the time, but the gist of it was that Finland didn't exist. It didn't seem that big of a thing to me at the time, because when you're a kid, your parents' word is gospel. So, and, and remember, it was posted in a thread with the topic, uh, what did your parents show you to do that you assumed was completely normal, only to later discover that it was not normal at all. I, the, the post was sincere. It, it, was, it was a fun, casual discussion thread, not a political or social debate forum. There, there weren't any heated claims being made that would have inspired a snarky, parodied idea to exemplify contempt of an extreme opposing viewpoint. So, what 
what's the real appeal? If it isn't Poe's Law, if that doesn't provide the example, if it's not parody, if it wasn't meant to to sarcastically parrot some sort of extreme view that was being voiced, what is it? Now, I, the appeal is, is rooted differently. The appeal of the Finnish conspiracy lies in satire. Ah, so, new term. Let's back to Wikipedia we go. Satire is a genre of literature and sometimes graphic and performing arts in which vices, follies, abuses, and shortcomings are held up to ridicule, ideally with the intent of shaming individuals, corporations, governments, or society itself into improvement. Although satire is usually meant to be humorous, its greater purpose is often constructive social criticism, using wit to draw attention to both particular and wider issues in society. Ah, there we go. The definition of satire. When does the satire begin for the Finland conspiracy? Now we're getting somewhere. This is not some conspiracy about a hot-button polarizing political or social position, like creationism or evolution uh, or right twigs versus left twigs. This is satire. This is a social and political criticism inspired by a want for change and improvement. But we said that the initial claim was sincere, right? So, again, when does the satire start? Clearly, the initial responses reflect an attitude of either concern or even disgust uh, at this lack of education and awareness that, that this poster seems to have. And largely, they're, they're meant to provide information. But it's where the conspiracy claim went. And when the conspiracy theory was born, that begins our journey through satire. The subreddit was created and the idea blossomed. Why? To build on the idea. To make it whole. To make it plausible. Even if ridiculously improbable. The proofs offered are reflections on political interactions following World War II, the validity and the value of the United Nations, doubts about large international corporations and their dealings, and even ah, philosophical musings pointing out the absurdity of global collusion at such a massive scale. Yet one thing stands out. That culminating summary explanation about how such a thing could be sustained. Finland has since evolved to something much, much more, right? Remember, the theory has moved to this. It's an idealistic placeholder for what country should aspire to. No real country could so consistently place first in all those wonderful areas of education and healthcare and gender equality and literacy rates and national stability and blah, blah, blah. They're so wonderful. The least corrupt government in the world, freedom of the press, we love Finland, they're perfect. It's a concept. <laughs> it's a concept for countries and people to aspire to. But that's, that's where the problems about Finland's existence is disputed, right? Again, no country in the world can possibly be that good. <laughs> this 
is where we get to the sustainment of the ideal. And this is the crux of the matter. Sustainment of the ideal. It's a phrase that it, it just kept popping into my head as I worked through this. Finland is held up as a model of social, political, fiscal, and judicial excellence by at least many in the world. An ideal to which the rest of the world should aspire. There is such a long list of accolades and ranked merit for Finland that it's hard to believe that such a perfect place could even exist, even if it should. In fact, it's often referred to as the Finnish miracle. <laughs> but not only that, there, there's a limit to how much a model like this could even affect change elsewhere. I mean, no two countries are the same. There's different histories and peoples and cultures. This miracle magic mix that makes Finland what it has become in the last hundred years may not produce the same results elsewhere. I mean, it probably wouldn't. Some may even just see it as an idealized perfection that can't be reached, but for which we should always strive. It's a nice idea. So, it's the ideal, the concept that matters. But why does it so work so well as a wild theory? You know, this, this theory of secret conspiracy and trade, as well as a complicit global community. Why not just say, hey, we should be more like Finland? <laughs> well, not, not, not everyone agrees that their country should be more like Finland. Even if they like Finland, and even if they know they could see some improvement. More pointedly, though, not every government wants their population going around saying they should be more like the other guy over there. In fact, in some places, that can end rather poorly for those pesky protesters for change. This approach doesn't fascinate us. It usually ends up dividing us. So, enter satire to save the day. Author Megan LaBeouf, and forgive me for pronouncing that incorrectly, uh, but I think she expresses it very well in a in a 2007 student thesis titled The Power of Ridicule, an analysis of satire. Megan says, Satire is a powerful art form which has the ability to point out the deficiencies in certain human behaviors and the social issues which result from them in such a way that they become absurd, even hilarious, which is therefore entertaining and reaches a wide audience. Satire also has the ability to protect its creator from culpability for criticism, because it's implied rather than overtly stated. In this way, it becomes a powerful tool for dissenters in difficult or oppressive political and social periods. There you go. I, I think that says it all. The, the satire makes the criticism more widely palatable to those whom it targets, and that target is certainly not the Finns. It's targeting everyone else who isn't Finnish. Using satire, these conspiracy theorists, air quotes, are shouting out to the world rather humorously. If this place can exist, then we should all be much better. But it doesn't even look like we're trying. So it must be impossible for such a goal to actually happen. 
So hey there, my home country of fill-in-the-blank, you let the exploiters get away with faking Finland. You are just as culpable as the conspirators. You are just as complicit in the lie. I mean, Finland might as well actually exist on the moon. We haven't tried to get any closer to that in a long time either. How do we wrap this up? Well, let's look at it this way. Satire has always played an important role in impacting people in enga- by engaging public opinion. I, satire brings something different, a, a unique portrayal, uh, exaggeration that allows people themselves to see the ridiculousness in situations. It doesn't tell you what to think. It doesn't manipulate you with political interviews. It, it takes a situation and it, it stretches it out, right? It molds it to show you implications. Satire takes something that most might not see as problematic, and it it provokes and inspires real change in society. And I think that is the real Finnish conspiracy, (laughs) the secret weapon of satire. Okay, that'll do it for today. Thanks for joining me. Please click that follow or subscribe button so that you don't miss the discussion. Connect with me via email at contact at conspiracytheriology.com. Join the Facebook discussion group. Find me on Twitter at TheriologyPod or just recommend the show to others. All the info can be found at the show website, conspiracytheriology.com, including how to support the podcast on Patreon. Music is by Adam Henry Garcia. And as always, if you like to like it and want to hear more, visit adamhenrygarcia.bandcamp.com. Okay, I will see you again next time when we will tackle another theory and make sense of the public popularity. So, until then, remember, beyond the conspiracy and behind the belief lies the theoryology. <laughs>